Um, so we had a we had a bit of a break, <coughs> but uh, to remind ourselves, we're going through the prince, 13 principles of faith from the Rambam. Um, we talked about that the Rambam wrote a number of major works. He's most famous for what became known as his magnum opus, is the Yad HaChazaka, the 14 um, volume book of the Rambam. But he also wrote um, one of his earliest and great works is the Pirush HaMishnayis, his um, commentary to Mishnah. And there, in his commentary to Mishnah, and the commentary to one of the uh, tractates of the Mishnah Sanhedrin, is where he puts together and he says that there are 13 basic basic principles of our faith, of our emuna, And that's what we've been working our way through. Um, we broke it down that the first five of those principles are devoted to Hashem. Five aspects about Hashem's existence, and then there was Torah and Nevuah and so on. Um, so first we covered all 13 sort of quickly, and then we've been doing them one by one. Um, and therefore we're holding by the third principle of the 13 principles of faith in our second time around. right? And this is in those principles that deal directly with Hashem. The first one was the very existence of Hashem, and we talked about that at length. Um, the mitzvah, the existence of Hashem, and our mitzvah to believe in that, and what's a mitzvah, what's beyond the mitzvah, and so on. The next one that we talked about in the last class, actually the last two classes, was about achtus Hashem, the oneness of Hashem. That was the second principle, that Hashem is not many, Hashem is one. And we talked about a number of different um, approaches and explanations to what it means, achtus Hashem, the oneness of Hashem, um, both according to the halachic and revealed parts of Torah, as well as in the secrets of Torah, according to Hasidus. Which brings us today, tonight, to the third principle. And that is, and that is that Hashem has no form of body whatsoever. Um, Hashem has no inlo uh, guf, has no body, lo dmusa guf, doesn't have the form of, the bo- of a body. Um, and that is the third principle of our faith. That as much as we talk about Hashem, and sometimes we talk about Hashem using different terminologies that would uh, seem to, yes, refer to Hashem with eyes or ears and so on and so forth, yet Rambam is very clear about that, that for sure Hashem doesn't have any type of body. And that's what I want to zoom in on tonight. So, I have in front of me the book of Rambam, and I want to read from two places in the Rambam. And this is from the Mishnah Torah, or the Yad HaChazaka. Again, this is the halachic work of the Rambam. And what I'm reading from right now, for beginning, is from the very first section um, I told you there's 14 books in the Mishnah Torah. The first book is called Sefer Hamada. Mada is Mem Dalet Ayin, which literally just means the basic wisdom of the Torah. And each one of those books is made up of sections. And every section is made up of chapters. The Rambam is very, very uh, orderly that way. <clears throat> so the very sur- first section is called Hilchas Yisodei HaTorah. The laws are the foundations of the Torah. And in Hilchas Yisodei Torah, in chapter 1, um, Halacha Zayin, Halacha 7, is where he talks about this concept. And he says, he says the following. If, I'm going to say it in English, but he says, if Hashem, if the Creator would be made up of any form of body, then He would, must have some type of limitation to Him. Because every body has limits. If you're talking about something physical, it has to start somewhere and end somewhere. Just like when you're looking at a person, a person uh, is defined because there's the beginning and the end. So he says, if Hashem would have any type of body, then he would have some types of limitations. And anything that has limitations, so its koach is also limited. right? So a body of a person, as, as great and strong and wise and wonderful a person as it is, but there's a body, so there's limitations, so his koach has limitations. But Hashem, his, his, his power is limitless and never-ending. Um, this world is constantly in a form of movement and never slows down. Who's moving the world constantly? That's Hashem, with his infinite koach. So he says, so therefore, being that Hashem's koach is infinite, that means it's not the koach of a body. And being that he has no body, so he doesn't have all the happenings of a body. Whatever happens to a body doesn't exist to Hashem. This is just, again, I'm saying this in English, but this is straight out of Yisodei HaTorah, Perik Aleph of the Rambam, where he talks about this idea that Hashem has to be um, bodyless. 
because a body means limitation, um, and limitation means limited powers. Hashem's powers are limitless. That means there's no body. That means Hashem has no nothing that a body, nothing that happens to a body happens to Hashem. That is from that section of Rambam. Now, later in the same book, in the Laws of Tshuva, which is at the end of that very same book, in the first still a book, the first book of the Rambam, but a couple of sections later is the section of Tshuva, and there he talks about when he's talking the Laws of Tshuva, he talks about the things we have to do Tshuva for, and he says doing Tshuva is not just for um, physical sin, sins of action, but also sins of the mind, what we think or how we think. Shuvah means making sure that our mind thinks the right ways and understands the right things. And therefore he talks about what is called heretical thoughts. Thoughts of, of, heret, of a heretic or an apichorus. So he says, so he says there's a number of different things that might make, what that might be heretical thoughts. And one of them is he says, and I'll read, Ha'omer she'yasham ribon echad. One who says, yeah, there's one creator. Aval hu guf ubal timuna. Yes, there is a God, but he is, a, you know, he has, he has a body, he has a form. Um, says the Rambam, that is heresy. This goes against the principle of our faith, and that is heresy. When one um, are they, thinks. Are they referring to one specific? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are they are they um, referring to one specific? What do you mean, one specific? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter here. It, uh-huh. If you want, it makes no difference. But a person who says that there is a God and He has a body or form, it doesn't matter what I what I name that body or form. If it's a certain person or something else, that makes no difference. If it's idolatry, it doesn't matter. Um, for the for the sake of this conversation, it makes no difference. That Rambam says is called heresy. Now, I'm sorry. I go back to the first section. He says in the Torah, it's clear that Hashem is not made up of a goof, of a body. Mm-hmm. What verses does he bring to support that? The Rambam, everything is supported. What is this support? So he writes the following. He brings three sources. First of all, he says, because it says after Matan Torah, Ki Hashem hu Elohim, Hashem is God, mimal val mitochas. We say this in the Aleinu. Hashem is the God in the heavens and on the earth, says Rambam. Well, if he's a body, you can't be in two places at the same time. A body can't be here and there at the same time. It, uh, sometimes we try, it doesn't work. right? So if we're saying that Hashem is Bashamayim Mimal, that is indicative that we're saying he's not made up of something, of a body, of a form, or something. He could be here and he could be there. That's source number one. Would it be at different times? No, we're not saying Hashem is sometimes in the heaven, sometimes in the earth. Hashem hu Bashamayim Mimal, Valaris Mitachas. He's here and he's there. Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere. We're not saying sometimes and sometimes. Hashem is here, Hashem is everywhere. Right? Hashem is everywhere. Okay. Number two, says he, says the Rambam, Venemar, says the Jewish people, all of you were present at Har Sinai. And Lori Isem Koltemuna, you did not see a form. So there was the godly revelation. Har Sinai was the greatest godly revelation ever, before and after, that Hashem revealed Himself and spoke, the Ten Commandments, and there was fire, and there was everything. But, and they heard the, the divine voice, the Anoich Hashem Alekecha, says, Moshe Rabbeinu, but did you see a form? You didn't. And that's because there is no form. So that's the second source. Again, source number one is Hashem is Bashamayim Mimal Valaris Mitochas, He's in heaven and earth which means he's two places at the same time, which means that he's not a body. And number two, says Rambam, because Moshe Rabbeinu specifically points that out to the Jewish people, Kilori Isem Right, but it's hard to understand because Moshe Rabbeinu said, I saw him, his back with his tefillin on. So excellent, excellent, excellent. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Rambam knows about that very well. We're going to talk about that shortly. Number three, number three, he brings an interesting pasuk from the Navi Yeshayahu. Hashem tells the Navi Yeshayahu, um, and if, if you want the, the exact uh, source, it's chapter 40, verse 25 in Yeshaya. And he says, Hashem says, To who can you can compare me to that I should be likened to? Tidamyuni is the word domen. You can't compare me to anyone, there's no 
comparison between me and anyone else or anything else. Says Rambam, If Hashem would be made up of somebody but just bigger, or ten times as big, a thousand times as big, there's still some level of comparison. Mm -hmm. If Hashem is saying there's no level of comparison, He's basically saying, we have nothing with what to compare anything that we know to Him, because we only know body. We know something that has some type of mass, some type of figure, some type of form. And that's exactly what Hashem tells Yeshayahu. You don't have anything by which you can compare, because I'm not made up of a goof. Those are the three psukim that Rambam quotes as the sources for this ikr, for this principle of faith, that Hashem is not made up of a goof. Again, because he's in heaven and earth at the same time. Because Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people, Lori Yisem called Tamuna, you did not see any form. And finally, because Hashem tells the Navi Yishayo, he says, El mitzidam yuni ve'eshva, there's nothing that you can compare to me, there's no way that you can find any likeness to me whatsoever, all because there isn't that goof, there isn't that body. Those are the three sources. Says Rambam, but, and here comes the famous questions, and he says, and again, it's, it's a couple of lengthy halachas, which I don't intend to read it all together, but I want to go through it basic from the source. He says, Im Then what does the Torah mean when it says, Visachas Raglov? It says the Jewish people beheld Hashem and under his feet was whatever. Or it says that the Luchos are Ksuvim Be'etzba Elokim, written with the fingers of Hashem. Well, fingers sounds pretty body-like, right? Uh, or Yad Hashem, the hand of Hashem, Eimei Hashem, the eyes of Hashem, Oznei Hashem, the ears of Hashem. Each one is, is a quote from a verse. So there are a number of verses that really give room to attribute, yes, bodily qualities to Hashem. So how do we reconcile that? On the one hand, we had the three verses where Ammam says, no goof, no nothing. On the other hand, again, uh, Etzbos Hashem, Yad Hashem, Eimei Hashem, Oznei Hashem, all of these are body parts. So what does that mean? Says Rambam. Hakol lefi daitam shel b'nei odom hu. All of these are the way that we think and understand things. She'enam makirim ela hagufos. We only recognize the bodies. That's the only way we can really imagine or visualize anything. And therefore, Dibra Torah Kilashon B'nai Adam. The Torah is using a language that we should be able to have something, so to speak, to hang on to, something to imagine. He says, Hakol Kinuyim Heim. These are all, um, I don't know the exact translation of Kinui, but they're, they're um, the descriptions. They're words that are used to describe certain things about Hashem. And he goes on, to bring other um, other verses that way. But he says, all of them are just to um, tell us. So when it says that the Torah is written with the fingers of Hashem, what it means is that Hashem wrote the Torah. So the way we can um, imagine writing is we only have one way, which are fingers. So say, okay, Hashem used what we call fingers to write the Torah. In Hashem's, language, in Hashem's world, there's no fingers. Or it says, Hashem heard. When we say heard, we think of ears. So Hashem heard with his ears. Hashem saw. When, when we think saw, that's what the eye, that's the function of the eye. So therefore the Torah is constantly using these different words to describe the act that, be, that is being accomplished. Being that we understand the we associate that accomplishment, that act with that part of the body, that's why the Torah uses those wordings. So when we imagine Hashem, <coughs> are we allowed to imagine Hashem because we're people, we're people? Okay. Because that's like, how, how, what? Very limited, very limited. Okay, uh, great question, and I'm going to ask you to wait a little bit on that. We're going to deal with that tonight, Billy Nether, if we're finishing and I didn't, yet, okay. you know, don't let me get away with it. Another question. So, yeah. So when they say they heard, Hashem said the first two is Sarah's and So... What happened to him? I mean, like, did they hear something? Mm -hmm. Did they not hear Yeah, like, they heard words. But how did they hear words? He's not speaking. Well, right. Right. So how but it's not voice? words that were... It's like, not words that were spoken with the mouth. It's not words that are spoken with breath. And yet, those are the words that they heard. So when we... Well, exactly, it is confusing. So Because when we think words, there's got to be a mouth. Mm -hmm. Or there's got to be breath. 
And that's how we hear words. And that's why it says, yeah, okay, we heard Hashem speaking. But Hashem doesn't speak like we speak. But we heard words in our mind, words are from some type of a mouth and some type of a sound system. So we say, yeah, we heard words from Hashem's mouth. That means we heard the same thing that someone else would have said from his mouth. And we heard it without Hashem's mouth. That's the same thing when the maidservant saw the hand of God at the answer. Yes, what all of them. they see? Like what? They saw something? <laughs> they didn't see something? Okay, as I've told you many times, I, I can't reveal everything here. Right? <laughs> um, but, but what Rambam is telling us is that they saw the expression of what that is, is typically expressed by that. Now, he goes on and asks exactly your question from before. Because there's a very interesting dialogue between Moshe Rabbeinu and Hashem in the Torah. And that is in the Torah portion of Kisisa, after when Hashem is upset with the Jewish people, after the story of the... Um, of the golden calf, the eagle. So Moshe Rabbeinu is begging for forgiveness to the Jewish people. And Hashem says, you know, I don't remember the exact words, but okay, fine, I'll forgive them. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, oh, um, if I found favor in your eyes, I would like to see you. I would like to see your glory. And then Hashem says, no, you can't see my front because no one can see my front, only my back. Mm-hmm. That's what it says in the Chumash. So this is a really odd dialogue. It sounds like there's something to see. Mm-hmm. There's a front and there's a back. And the front is off limits. But the back, okay. What's the front? What's the back? What's going on? Mm-hmm. So that's the next halach. Says Rambah. What was Moshe Rabbeinu looking for? When he said, allow me to see your glory. Says Rambam. He says, what Moshe Rabbeinu was asking is he wanted to know Hashem the way we know something that we've seen. Which means, there is, we understand things, right? We can learn a lot of things. Everyone knows there's a big difference between learning about something versus seeing it. What's the difference? How real it is to me. Right? I can spend years learning about something as long as it's just in the mind so it's something I understand and know about. Once I saw it, its level of reality is on a whole different level. So one person may have seen something and doesn't understand it at all. The other person understands it but never saw it. The one who saw it, although he understand very little, has a certain sense of reality more than the one who understands. Because seeing, or as they say in English, seeing is believing, Seeing becomes part of me. Says Rambam, when Moshe Rabbeinu says, Hashem, I want to see you. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't think that there's something physical to see. Right? So what is he asking for? He's asking that my level of knowledge of you should be like the knowledge of something that I've seen. Hashem should be such a reality to me, like something that I actually saw. Right? So when, when you, again, when, when you see, so he, Moshe said, I don't want to just learn and know and understand. I want that Hashem should be so much ingrained in me, so much part of me, that it's a reality like something that I saw with my own two eyes. And what did Hashem answer? He says, okay, but a lesser level of me. And that's what achorai versus panai means, my back and my front. Um, just like a human being. When we see someone from their back, we know much less about them. When we see something, the front, the face is where all our more internal features are. You you know someone much more from their facial features than from the back of their head. Mm-hmm. The back of their head, you see the back of their head, so you know they exist, but you don't really know: are they smiling? Are they happy? Are they sad? Are they? There's so much that we know from a face. So what Hashem was telling Moshe is: yes, you will know me way more than anyone else, as if you saw me but only the lesser level of me. The deeper levels of Hashem, even Moshe Rabbeinu can't know in a way of sight, rather in a way of understanding. That's how the Rambam explains that dialogue between Moshe and Hashem. And he goes on to talk about how great that, that Moshe was, was taught and saw more than anyone saw, um, but nevertheless, not the internal levels of Hashem. So it's still, he didn't really see he just understood really it was but it was but it was, it was a, a different level, level 
level of I mean, exactly a level of understanding that becomes one with the person. Because I normally we right. understand something to a certain level, but then there is the belief level that we're not we're not there. He understood to such a level that it's as if he saw something. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that when we when we talk, people talk to them, one person explains something, sometimes you say, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Sometimes we say, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, so mostly we think that we're just that's just the, the first word that comes to our mind. But really there's the different words ex- express different levels of the way that piece of information resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And subconsciously, when we're saying, I see, I hear, although again, we, we don't even think about what we're saying, but I see what you're saying is a deeper level of appreciation of what was said, and I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because it's as if I see it, though I didn't see anything, you just said something. And Rambam says that's what's going on between Moshe Rabbeinu and Hashem. So this is Rambam, he's very clear. Again, he's this really, uh, we're coming at it from three different places. There's the Rambam where he talks in the 13 principles of faith. That's in his book, Pirush Mishnayis. And here we have the Rambam in the laws of Yisodei Torah. I read to you the Rambam in Shuva, the laws of Shuva. All of these Rambams come to one place, which is that Hashem has no body at, at all, in any form. And he's very strong about it. He said, again, like we said, it, it's heresy, says Rambam to believe that there is any level of body. And even though there are verses that would imply that yes, and the hands and the feet and the seeing and that, but it's all a mushal, it's all just to help us understand. And even when Moshe Rabbeinu had that dialogue with Hashem, it was really a dialogue about levels of appreciating the, the uh, or, or levels of feeling the full truth of it, not a question of physical sight. Rambam is very clear about that. Now, for a, a couple of points. First, there's another book of Rambam, which we've mentioned here in the past, and that's called More Nevuchim, or The Guide to the Perplexed. That's a more philosophical book of Rambam, also Torah, but you know, more, more philosophical. And there he adds a very interesting note to this conversation. And he says, he says, there are five basic senses that we talk about, and they are hearing, seeing, uh, smelling, taste, and touch, right? Those are the five senses, right? Says Rambam, if you look throughout the Torah, three of those senses you'll find attributed to Hashem and two not. It's interesting. Says, look through the entire Torah, all the Chumash and all the Navi. You'll find verses that ascribe to Hashem three out of the five senses. Which three? He says, you'll have verses that will talk about the sight. Vayera Hashem, Hashem saw. So the sense of sight is mentioned. There are verses that talk about the sense of hearing. Vayishma Hashem. Uh, the Jewish people cried out and Hashem heard. So we have the sense of hearing. And the sense of smell. It says regarding the karbanos, the sacrifices in more than one place. Vayorech Hashem esreach hanichoach. God uh, smelled the fragrance of the karbanos, whether it was the karbanos of Noah or Avram or Yitzchak, the Jewish people, the Besamekdash, the sense of smell is something that we use in Tanakh attributed to Hashem. However, says Rambam, you can search as much as you will, as much as you'd like. You're not going to find in the Torah the sense of touch relating to Hashem, and you're not going to find the sense of taste relating to Hashem. Doesn't say in Hashem tasted something. Why? I mean, Hashem doesn't have anybody. So then he, re- he really didn't see either the way we see, and he didn't hear the way we hear, and didn't smell the way. So why is it when it comes to hearing and seeing and smelling, we say, yeah, Hashem saw, and Hashem heard, and Hashem smelled, but it doesn't mean physically, it means whatever it means. Well, if it doesn't mean it anyway, so why doesn't it say he touched? I think that taste and, and touch is more physical, but most physical, I think, from correct, says Rambam. Says Rambam, there are two reasons for this. The first is exactly what we just heard. Rambam says, though all of these five are typically done with a body, with eyes and ears and and, and, and nose and mouth, right? Nevertheless, he says, if you think about it, the first three are spiritual senses done with a physical body. It's a physical eyes, but eyes see. Sight is not a tangible. 
we're using physical eyes. But the actual concept of sight is not tangible. And the same is with smell, and the same is with hearing. All of them were using physical tools to do something that's really not tangible, not physical, no, metaphysical. When it comes, though, to touch and taste, not only is the tool physical, the finger and the mouth, but actually we're touching something physical and tasting something physical. The, the sense is more physical than those three, than, those, than, than the other three. And therefore, says Rambam, Hashem's sight, smelling, and hearing is also different than ours. Because Hashem doesn't use the physical tools for them. Hashem doesn't have eyes. Hashem sees without eyes and hears without ears and smells without a nose. But so although we have to understand that the tool is different, the concept though is a spiritual one. And because the concept is spiritual, we can say Hashem did it. And then we have to understand He did it not the same way that we do it. He did it not with the same tools that we do it. But the concept, being that it's a more spiritual one, we're able to ascribe that to Hashem. Versus the other two, which are not only the tool is physical, but the actual act is physical, the actual sense is physical, there we can't even ascribe it to Hashem and say it means something else because the very concept doesn't apply to Hashem. That's the first explanation that Rambam gives over there in Moreh Nebuchadnezzar. But then he goes on and says a second explanation as well. And he says that the reason the Torah uses Hashem saw and Hashem hear and Hashem smells is because it's trying to explain to us something about what Hashem is doing for us. Seeing is our way of understanding um, a knowledge. Right? What do, when we think of seeing, that's the way we know everything instantaneously. Right? I see whatever's going on. When we say that Hashem sees, what we're trying to bring out is that everything that happens in this world is galui v'yadua, is totally open and revealed to Hashem. And Hashem knows it with that same level of immediacy, like when we see something. So the Torah tells us about Hashem seeing to teach us that we should always remember, like we say in Pirkei Avos, that there's an eye in Roa, that Hashem sees constantly everything that happens. Hearing, repre- hearing on the one hand uh, is not as, you know, you don't believe as much hearing and seeing. On the other hand, hearing represents a certain understanding of what's going on. Seeing, I get the physical thing. Hearing represents to, um, to take it in in a deeper sense to understand. Um, the tool of hearing is much more the tool of understanding of what's going on. So we say Hashem hears. So that we should to try to teach us that whatever ha- happens in this world, Hashem has the full comprehension of the of the back and the forth and all every every step of whatever happens. Smell is specifically connected with the sense of tainuk, of a pleasure, the pleasure that comes from the frag- fragrance. Fragrance is euph- euphemistically used as. Um, like it talks about the karbanos, nachas ruach, the nachas, the pleasure that Hashem has, that's what the smell is. So Rambam says, the second answer in Mor Nebuchim, why do we ascribe those three to Hashem and not the final two of taste and, um, and touch? Because taste and touch doesn't add to us anything in understanding of how Hashem relates to us. Because it doesn't add a deeper understanding or appreciation of Hashem's relating and Hashem's uh, receiving and knowing and understanding everything that goes on in this world. And therefore he says, the reason why the Torah only uses those three is because those three are important in order for us to understand that yes, whatever we do, Hashem knows in a way of seeing, in a way of understanding, and we, are, we have the ability of affording Hashem the nachas, which is what the smell and the fragrance is all about. But the other two wouldn't add anything in our understanding, and therefore the Torah doesn't use it. So what is smell? Nachas. That Hashem, the, the fra- fragrance is, uh, is the, the reach tov of the karbonos. That represents the nachas that Hashem has from our avoda, which is a tremendous thing to understand. Sometimes we think we're so small, how can we can cause, cause Hashem nachas? And that's what the karbonos is. That Hashem says, Vayarach Hashem is reach anichoach, nachas ruach. All of that is the concept of reach of that fragrance. Those are two points from Mora Nevuchim of the Rambam to complement this concept. I'm sorry? It's very interesting. That's what it says, yeah. Okay.
Having said all this, I want to move away from Rambam for a moment. <clears throat> um, likely that you know, and it could even be we've discussed it in the past, that great as the Rambam is and accepted as the Rambam is by all Jewish people, it wasn't the story during his lifetime. right? Um, like so many great Jewish originators and seemingly innovators in the Jewish history, they were challenged. Um, usually by well-meaning people, sometimes by tzaddikim, who didn't comprehend the greatness of Rambam. You know, again, today, I don't think you'll find in the world someone who's a, a Torah Jew who, who questions the authority of the Rambam. That's the test of time. But the Rambam in his time was questioned. Uh, and so was many great people. And we know, of course, the Baal Shem Tov, and the Rebbe, and Chassid, and so on and so forth. And all of these great tzaddikim, a hundred years later, somehow nobody remembers now, why would someone argue, right? Um, one of the great challengers to the Rambam, on a halachic level, was a great rabbi of his time, and he's known, just like Rambam is known by his acronym, Rambam, Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon. So another great rabbi of the time was the Ravid. And Ravid is also an acronym, Rabbi Avram ben David. I'm pretty sure he was one of the chief rabbis in Israel at the time. Rambam was in Egypt, and he was in Israel. That, what was the, what's the acronym? Ravid, Resh Aleph, Beis Dalid. That's Rabbi Avram Ben David. And throughout the book of Rambam, Ravid has comments, um, arguments, questions. Sometimes, very vehemently, he argues on the halachas of the Rambam. Until today, you'll find in any yeshiva scholars that are that toil on answering the questions on the Rambam or explaining. What are the different approaches? Because Ravid wasn't a child either. And he had a different approach to learning. And there's countless debates and countless forums that are written to explain you know, the questions and the answers and what he thought and what, he, or what his source, what his source is, and so on and so forth. Okay? On the statement of Rambam that I read to you earlier, the Rambam says that one who believes that Hashem has a body or form, says Rambam, it's heresy. Says Ravid. Says the Ravid, give me a moment. Am I on the right page? Yes, I am. Um, he says, heresy? He says, many great people who were greater than he, than the Rambam, felt that the verses that describe Hashem with form and body are true. He says, who gave the Rambam the right, so to speak, to like decide that this is 100% so and anyone who doesn't believe this way is heresy? So, interestingly, Ravid says, actually, I agree with the Rambam that he's right that Hashem doesn't have a body. It's true. But how can you say that someone who disagrees is heresy? After all, there are verses that sort of support that. You understand? In other words, Ravid says, I'm not arguing. I think that you're right. I think that it happens to be that you're right that Hashem doesn't have the body, but being that there are verses that would support that Hashem has a body, because there is the verse of the fingers and the hands and the feet and so on and so forth, so if someone will come and say that, no, that's the truth, then it would be inappropriate to call him a heretic. That was Ravid's critique, or his argument, his challenge to the Rambam. And the commentators, you know... Uh, they, 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 you know, they all jump at this. Like, who's, who's right? So, for example, the Ramban. Of course, Lashem Shemayim. But Ramban Nachmanides, right? Not, not to confuse ever Rambam and Ramban. They sound similar. One is Maimonides versus Nachmanides. Nachmanides lived 50 years later, and Nachmanides wrote extensively to stand up for the Rambam, for Maimonides. And he says, no, he says, Rambam is for sure right. And he says, he brings more countless verses. He says, there's no question that it's a basic principle of our belief that we cannot ascribe any bodily features to Hashem. So Nachmanides does that. And then much later, you have one of the great, uh, perhaps the greatest commentator to Rambam is Rabbi Yosef Cairo, who's most famous for the Shulchan Aruch. He wrote the Shulchan Aruch. He was the Rav in Sfat some 500 years ago. But aside from the Shulchan Aruch, he wrote a, a full commentary to the Rambam called Kesef Mishnah. So there as well, he also stands up for the Rambam, very much so. 
So there's no question that that is definitely normative Jewish thought. So the writer says that Hashem that if you believe that Hashem has body parts, right, it's not heresy. Exactly. Not a body, but body parts. Right. That there could be form. There could be some form. levels of form. I mean, he doesn't believe that Hashem is a man walking around in the world, right? Yeah. Hashem is the creator, and Hashem is infinite, and all that. But the concept. It being that there are a number of verses that say, Ene Hashem, the eyes of Hashem, and Yad Hashem, the verses that Rambam himself quoted. It's not as if Rambam doesn't know those verses. Rambam quoted, but Rambam said all those verses are only allegoric and they're only for us to understand and so on and so forth. Ravid says, nice thought, and you might be right, and I might agree with you. But if someone were to say, no, I believe that Hashem has, you know, does have you know, hands because it says so, then you can't say he's a heretic. They're based on the verses of the Torah. That's what Ravid apostles, this is arguing. And again, the commentators by and large stand up for the Rambam here. Um, as I said, Ramban and Nachmanides, um, Rabbi Yosef Cairo and Kesef Mishnah, and the other great um, um, Torah, the, what's it called, theologians, um, definitely follow Rambam. And as we know, as I said in the past, the 13 principles of faith have become accepted by all of Klaus Yisrael. And this remains one of principle number three, the principle that we're talking about tonight, um, is remains a principle of faith so that Ravid is overruled in this uh, in this debate, but it's important to remember Ravid never argued. Right? Ravid said, "I agree with Rambam." He just he was sort of just uh, supporting. If somebody would disagree, it wouldn't be heresy, right? But the commentators and the later uh, the students of Torah, the, 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 the teachers of Torah, definitely felt with Rambam. Interestingly, in the Rebbe explains in a talk in a sicha, he says. He very interestingly explains Ravid's opinion. And he says, even though, of course, we accept Rambam, that um, Hashem doesn't have a body and so on and forth, what Ravid was really saying, says the Rebbe, that Hashem, because of his infinite abilities, can also enclose himself in a body. Notice, Ravid says, after all, the Pasuk says so. So we know that Hashem has an ability of straddling total opposites. Right, so Hashem is infinite, and part of infinite is the ability to be finite. Um, and, and the Rebbe quotes uh, perhaps one of the greatest miracles, one of the miracles that defies our ability to understand. See, most miracles, we don't understand how they can be done. Right? We don't know how you split a sea. We don't know how you, um, I don't know, turn all the waters into blood. But, okay, if someone figured out how to do it, the actual storyline makes sense. In the water it turned to blood. Somehow he pulled that off, right? <laughs> there are certain miracles that we can't understand them because they defy our ability of comprehension. What's the what's the uh, example for that? And even though the one that the Rebbe would typically bring, it says that in the in the Kodesh Hakadosh, the Holy of Holies, the Holy of Holies was ten amos, and the um, Ark was two and a half. The Aron was two and a half. So, and it was two and a half. If you take a measuring stick, it was two and a half amos. And if you take a measuring stick and you measure the Kodesh HaKadoshim, it's ten amos. And yet, if you take a measuring stick and measure from either side of the Aron to the wall, there would be five amos. Because the Aron doesn't take up any space. But it's space. Mm-hmm. This is something, it's not a question that we don't know how we pull it off. It doesn't, our minds can't comprehend that because there are opposites going on. Is there a space or there isn't space? So, Another great early authority, the Rashba, he's called, lived 800 years ago, writes about this. And he says, yes, Hashem's, Hashem's abilities don't have to be something that we can grasp. So to us, space and that space don't work together. Which, you know, pick, pick which one are we going with. Hashem doesn't have to pick. Says the Rebbe that when Ravid says that if someone were to believe Hashem has hands, okay. What Ravid essentially is saying is that's part of the infinite of Hashem that he could be finite. Now, but, but if he's finite, then he's not infinite, right? Well, that's what you think. In Hashem's world, those two aren't a problem. As, and basically what the Rebbe is doing is he's explaining where Ravid was coming from. Ravid is not like, oh, maybe Hashem does have a body. He's saying, if someone were to say that because the verses say Hashem has a body, then it means that way, then somehow Hashem managed that feat too. That he's infinite and is infinite, and somehow that works. So that's what Ravid, that's where Ravid was coming from. Anyways, that's just an, an idea that the Rebbe says in support of that Ravid's point. So if you say, okay, if science at some point 
figures out how you can just turn water to blood, then, then we're going to know that. But this thing about the RN, it, it, it's either mass or it's not mass, and that can't right. never. So that's why that example. Yeah. Per, yeah okay. Yeah. So the, all the other things that we think of as miracles might some right. Be right. Now there's most miracles. The, our problem of, of of getting at them is how can you do that? How, right. do, how do you pull off that trick? Right. But the actual thing that you've gotten can make sense. We just don't know how to get there. But then there are certain miracles that the nature of the miracle, what's going on, doesn't make any sense. It can't. Logic cannot contain them. So it can't, that's a finite and infinite. Right, right, right. Or, or they say, this goes into philosophy, but there's a famous question, can Hashem put an elephant through a needle's hole? Right? So people, of course, you know how? He can make an elephant so small that it can fit through the needle's hole. Or if he can make the needle's hole stretch so big that an elephant can go through. Right? But could Hashem put the elephant at full size into the needle hole, which is still so small? Not compress the elephant and not make the needle hole big. That, that doesn't, if it, it's too big to fit. So this has got to get small, that's going to get big. But this concept of miraculous says big and small is in our head. That's our um, constraints. Hashem, big can be in small, which to our minds doesn't make any sense. There's a word for this. In Hebrew, this is called. Nimna hanimnaos, which means uh, I don't know how to translate that properly, but the words are: if you're writing the nimna is nun mem nun ayin, that's something that's withheld. Hanimnaos is hey nun mem nun ayin vav saf. A double, it's doubly withheld. We don't know how to do it, and even after it's done, we don't know how it makes sense. So that's that type of miraculousness that just defies our imagination whatsoever. Okay, I, I, let, let's move on. Here comes the last point that I want to make here tonight, and it's a very important point to this conversation. And that goes to really what you've asked. I think I said I would come back to it. So at the end of the day, I, I'm trying to imagine Hashem, and I do imagine eyes, or I do imagine, because the verses say it in a way that makes it sound that way. So is that okay? Is it not okay? Like what, what, what's the story at the end? Or, or we teach Torah to children. Mm-hmm. And, and we read the Pasuk, and it says Hashem saw. There's no doubt that every child in the room is thinking Hashem sees with eyes. Big eyes, bigger eyes. So are we teaching them untruth? Right? We say, Yad Hashem. Hashem, you know, even open up the Haggadahs with the children's pictures, and when it says there that Hashem, with an outstretched arm, smote Egypt, every Haggadah is going to have a picture of an outstretched arm. So are all those Haggadahs heresy? I mean, put all the Haggadahs, you know, salespeople out of business. You have to make people understand. But, but are we making them understand by telling them something that's not true? That's the question. At the end of the day, if it's not true, so true, we have a problem, we don't know how to teach it, but how do we teach not truths? So here comes a very beautiful Hasidic perspective on it that's really, it predates Hasidus. The one who writes about this first is the Shalom. We've talked about the Shalom in the past. The Shalom is Rabbi Shai Horowitz. He lived some, uh, I don't know exactly, maybe 350 years ago or so. Um, and a lot of the early teachings of Hasidus are based on his works. The Alter Rebbe's Tanya is a lot based on the Shalom's works. The Alter Rebbe was a great follower of the Shalom. Rabbi Shai Horowitz. And the Shalom explains the following. He says that when we say a hand, eyes, and all that, it's not not true. It's just not the full truth. But before I get, let me, let, me, let, me, let me try to redefine that. He says, our hand is a derivative of the divine hand. It's a much lower and condensed and physical form of the spiritual truth of what the divine hand is. The divine hand is not made up of flesh and blood. The divine hand is the power of giving, the power of striking, whatever power. That power comes, uh, is mishtalshil, comes down step by step, and it becomes a hand. Let me, let's give you a, a, a simple example. A child has a doll. child says, oh, my dolly has a boo-boo on his hand, on her hand. And the child calls the doll's hand a hand. Now, is that really a hand? The doll's hand? It's, it's a picture of a hand. 
It's a statue of a hand. It's not a hand. But in the child's world, that's a real hand. Right? Now, we look at that hand and say, no, that, that's not a hand. That's only an image of what a real hand is. This is a hand. That's, not, that's just a child's play hand. But from the child's perspective, they're busy caressing the child's hand, which is hurt. Right? Because that hand is a picture of what a real hand is. So for us adults, we're looking at that. That's not a hand. That's a piece of wood. It's a piece of plastic. But in the child's world, no, that hand is an expression of the adult hand. Or we say, the table's leg. That's now, that's not a leg. You know, this is a leg, right? But that's also called a leg. You know why? Because a person stands on their legs, and the table stands on the legs. So this is called a leg. But really, this is only called a leg because a real leg is what we stand on, right? So basically what we have is the whole world is built on not real things that are pictures of real things. But depending on which level you're at, that's the reality of the thing. Mm-hmm. Am I making any sense? Yeah. So, so the, the doll has a hand, and I have a hand, and Hashem has a hand. Mm-hmm. Which is the real hand? So the Shalah says, well, Hashem's. That's the real hand. And then there's a bunch of other hands. And they keep on coming at every level that you go downward, you'll find another expression of that hand. And you'll find the human hand, and you'll find the doll hand, and maybe there's a hand that's below the doll hand too. And for again, for the three-year-old, that doll hand is the real hand. All the other hands are just imaginary. That's the real hand. And the adult says, that's not the real hand. This is the real hand. And the, the malach says, that's not the real hand. A malach's hand is a real hand. And Hashem says, you guys got it all wrong. My hand is a hand. And all of yours are pictures, are expressions of my hand. And the Shalah says that really the whole world is that way. Everything physical that we see is an expression of something deeper and something greater and something beyond. And as we grow older, as we it's not a question of how old we are, but as how much as we learn more and understand more, we're able to become from a child to an adult to a greater adult and understand that what we thought until that point, it's really much deeper than that. Right? Just like a table. This is a table, right? It's glass. Then if a person learns some science and finds out it's not glass, don't be silly. It's it's sand. And then he says, it's atoms. It's molecules. It's whatever. I don't even know all the names. And then you learn Hasidus and it says, what are you talking about? It's Dvar Hashem. So which one is true? Is it table? Is it molecules? Is it sand? Is it Dvar Hashem? All of the above. The question is, at which level do you understand? The deeper you understand something, you understand what it really is. But that doesn't mean that at the last step it's not true. You understand? The, ch- the doll's hand is a hand. But it's only a really a picture of a greater hand. But it's a hand for the person who's at that level. So therefore, when we tell the, ch- when we tell the children, Hashem's hand, and the child sees a hand. So at that childish level, yeah, it's true. That's a picture of Hashem's hand. Hashem's hand doesn't really look like that. It's deeper. It's greater. It's holier. It's more beyond. But this is an expression of that hand. Eov says, Mibsari echaze eloka. From we look at ourselves and we get to know Hashem. We're built in Hashem's image. The Torah says we're built in Hashem's image. Does that mean Hashem looks like us? That means we're a picture of Hashem. Now, maybe a pretty bad picture. <laughs> in other words, in other words, it says in Hasidus, that right hand, what's our right hand in Hashem's world? Chesed. Our left arm, Givura. Right? Our, our right leg, our left leg, every part of us is an expression and a picture of something deeper and greater. So is Hashem a human being? Of course not. But is a, does a human being express Hashem? Of course, yes. And that goes on to every step of creation. So therefore, when we say Hashem's hand, and then a child says, wow, Hashem is a hand, and we sit here in class and say, but really, it's deeper than that. So they're right, and we're right. They're right because it's an expression of it. We're right because it's only an expression. And there's a deeper level. And then when we get older and wiser, there's an even deeper level. And that goes on forever. I'll finish with, the Rebbe said, 
Now, there's a common concept, and many of us have perhaps seen it and been there, of bringing a child into cheder the first day. And what do you do when the child comes to cheder the first day? You wrap him in a talis, put him down, and have the child read with chumash, with honey, whatever, throw candies. Malach Michol was throwing candies. Tell the child Malach Michol was throwing candies. And the rabbi asks, same question. Do we tell children lies? Like, at this age? Right away? <laughs> right away, three years old. Let's let's give him, you know, Baba Mises, right? Malach Michol. I'll never forget, one of my kids, I don't remember which one, I was in shul in Meiruven, it was a short time after their, uh, uh, you know, after this uh, cheder party, sitter party, or whatever it's called, uh, a rain furnish, yeah. and my kid turns around and he sees Rabbi Turk, Talaf, Rabbi, Malach Michol! <laughs> you said Malach Michol was throwing candies, I saw who it was, right? So Malach Michol with the talus. Right? Says the Rebbe, and here's the beauty of the Rebbe says, no, no, it's true that Malach Michol is throwing candies at the child. It's not lies at all. He's just doing it through that teacher. An ancient. In other words, whenever Torah says something, it's not like, let's make up something. There's always the agent. Malach Michal is there working through someone's hands. So the child sees a person. We understand, ultimately we understand everything, everyone in this world is agents. Everything in this world is representative of the deeper power behind it. So that's really what's going on in this halacha. That Hashem has no body. Of course Hashem has no body. Yet the Torah says Hashem does have a body. So Ramam says, okay, because that's just the words we can use and understand. But then it sounds like it's not true. So here comes the Shalah and Hasidus and says, it's not just the Torah just picks something out of a hat arbitrarily to give us the ability to understand. It's because our physical hand is the physical expression of that Ruchni Yistikah and as we said, just as even in this physical world, we see that constantly, how different things are expressions. And like we said, the child's hand and the doll's hand and the, the table's leg and all, one is a picture and an expression of the other. Ultimately, everything's an expression of Hashem. So of course Hashem doesn't have hands. And yet, our hand is an expression of that koach that Hashem uses to accomplish what a hand does or what a leg does or eyes do and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And with that, we'll conclude. So that is the third of principle. Um,